Welcome to One to Watch Wednesday, featuring independent and emerging artists and bands from across Canada and their songs. My name is Sarah Scott. Thanks so much for hanging out today in the spotlight this week, coming out of Vancouver, British Columbia. It is country singer-songwriter Dave Hartney. It was an absolute pleasure getting Dave on One to Watch Wednesday this week. Of course, in this episode, you are going to learn a lot more about Dave and about how he he reconnected with his childhood love of country music while attending the University of Saskatchewan. We also talk about how he began playing guitar for various artists and industry friends. We talk about some of Dave's professional highlights, including a bit of a full circle moment with Dirk Bentley and a cool experience with Vince Gill. We talk about how he grew up influenced by classic rockers and songwriters like Tom Petty and guitar slinging country stars like Keith Urban, Brad Paisley, Travis Tritt, and Vince Gill. And we also talk about how he writes his mix of modern country and southern rock songs. We also talk about how he has played some renowned events in some of the biggest stages across Canada and where you can find him this summer. And of course, so much more. This conversation was an absolute blast. Dave, so fun. You are not going to want to miss a minute or a second of this interview. And of course, you're going to hear two of his incredible songs, his debut release, Party Lights, and his most recent really good song too, Jeep Thrills. Well, I'm pretty darn excited for this episode, so let's get right on into it. So first off, Dave, thank you so much for being a part of One to Watch Wednesday. It's been a long time coming. I've known you for probably close to five years now, and I'm so excited to finally be able to interview you like I'm over the moon about it. And we're going to start from the very beginning of your music career. So you grew up in North Vancouver and you reconnected with your childhood love of country music while attending the University of Saskatchewan, a little bit of ways away from home. But your love of music started way before that. And you were once asked in an interview if you could pin down the one moment that made you decide music was your calling. And you mentioned it was a series of things. And one of those things was when you were a kid, you watched Marty McFly rocking out in the Back to the Future movie, and that made you want to learn guitar. And that's kind of where it started. But like I said, there were a series of events and things. So let's go back in time. Where did it all start for you? Wow. Well, first off, that is an amazing intro. And I'm super happy to finally be having a chat with you too. You've really done your homework there that it's funny, because I was like, Oh, she won't she won't guess this answer. And I was going to actually bring up back to the future again, when in the lead into your question. And you already knew the answer. So yeah, that honestly had a big part of it. I don't know why I was not a very outgoing sort of, you know, a uh, kid, something about that, that scene with him rocking on stage. And I still love those Gibson, you know, ES uh, 335 guitars, or I have a black one now sort of uh, he was playing the, the red one, but that was, that was kind of the start of it in terms of wanting just to learn to play the guitar. And then I had a, I had a good buddy who was much more outgoing to me, much more of a party guy. And we used to go to this bar called Rooster's country cabaret um just sort of on the outskirts of vancouver and the house band was uh was aaron perchette so we used to go see aaron perchette when he was relatively unknown just kind of playing as a covers and 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 he was a dj there too and he always just put on amazing shows so that kind of 
made us think, well, maybe we could, you know, get a little band together and get some free beers and, <laughs> you know, perform in front of people. Basically it was That was kind of the first time I had the idea that maybe we could actually do this at that level. And then, um, yeah, I just started working as, as a band. I play, I did, I did learn guitar and, and, and played sort of in high school, just in, in my bedroom. And then we, we just started, lying about the experience of our band and we'd get shows but we'd play good enough to to get invited you know back again and and that's kind of how it all started and then we just you know we 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 started playing in the bars in alberta we played played in edmonton and played in you know ranchmans in calgary and uh, went as far you know back to saskatoon where i went to school and all sorts of crazy gigs and, and and stuff like that and yeah it was just sort of this combination of, of first you know just wanting to play guitar and then someone sort of <laughs> pushing me off the deep end in terms of performing on stage and 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 once i did it a few times just that sort of that love of it took over to the point where now that's you know why i, I go into the studio and record songs and and, and have a band is just to, to get out in front of you know, a, a great crowd and, and play. For me, that's the the love of it. That's so cool. It sounds like you kind of faked it till you made it a little bit. <laughs> that's a, that is absolutely the the definition of of what we did. I think a lot of bands do that. You know, you're starting out, no one knows who you are, and you just kind of fib to venues and stuff like that. And like I said, my buddy was much better at doing that than I was. Yeah, it just kind of it kind of just started, and we just kept going with it. So you grew up being influenced by classic rockers and songwriters like Tom Petty and Collective Soul. And of course, loving country music, it played into your inspirations like Keith Urban, Brad Paisley, Vince Gill, Travis Tritt, just to name a few. So what is it about those artists and their music that inspires you? Yeah, I think, you know, what all of them have in common are, you know, great songs that you hear on the radio. So the songwriting and then, you know, when you become a fan of a band and you sort of, you know, get exposed, whether it's the first time you go see them in concert or, you know, a video like, you know, on YouTube or whatever, and you see them play. And it's that combination of a great song and a connection with the artist, I guess, that, you know, makes anyone um, become a, a fan. You know, Tom Petty was just always a huge influence. My uncle loved loved him, and you know, I certainly had no idea who that was as as a, as a kid. Not would would have been someone at my age that would have gotten necessarily exposed to. But he, my uncle, always had him playing in the you know car rides back to Saskatchewan. We used to go to this lake, Turtle Lake, and in, in uh, outside of uh, actually not too far from Lloyd Minister in, in Saskatchewan there, and we we play all these old Tom Petty songs and just fell in love with that songwriting and you know saw Tom play for the first time and then. Yeah, like Travis Tritt was just a, I don't know, just huge influence because I love sort of the, the, I've always sort of loved the the more rock inside of, of country music, which is sort of just, you know, a common, that's just sort of what gets played on the radio now. But that was sort of in the 90s, there was artists sort of even then pushing it a little bit in terms of doing that. And he was one of those artists that I kind of just, just loved. And then I, I feel like he must have been influenced for for guys like Brad Paisley and Keith Urban. And the first time I saw, you know, Keith Urban played live, I was just hooked on him putting on this big rock show basically with uh, all the amps and all the guitar playing and combined with the the lyrics and the stories of country music, just kind of, that was kind of just a blend of music that I loved. That's awesome. So who are you listening to right now and who are some of your more current influences as well? You know, it's funny. I, I mean, I just mentioned him, but I'm kind of really back uh, into Keith Urban. I kind of moved away and listened to a bunch of other people and I've been going back and listening to some of the, some of the, first stuff you put out which is great you know i i really had a very 
the band, we always just did our own original music and uh, kind of just played country dance covers in the bars. And, and with COVID, a lot of those bars have shut down. So right now I'm kind of revisiting a lot of like 90s rock and I'm doing some 90s stuff in my my set, you know, Third Eye Blind and Jimmy Eat World and Weedus and The Killers. Uh, it's a little more recent, uh, Bruce Springsteen. And then, um, you know, there's still newer country that I love, uh, Riley Green and yeah, just some of these newer artists that I really love kind of throwing the set list and Cody Johnson and all these guys. So yeah, the, the the list is sort of eclectic and long. I love that. I love eclecticness. And I feel like Weedus should almost be an honorary country band at this point because I hear Teenage Dirtbag every single cabaret. They play it in the background at least one time a night. And I'm like, heck yes, singing along. <laughs> I know. I always felt, because uh, I've been doing sort of, I've been sort of been infusing the 90s stuff in, in my set list if I'm doing sort of like a, a festival or a bar where I need some covers. And I've, I've always kind of threw in a bit of that stuff. And I feel like now it's just commonplace. Like everybody plays those 90s songs, Blink-182 and, and all that kind of stuff. So, but people will love it, you know, Semisonic, Closing Time, all those kind of huge mm-hmm in the 90s and i don't know what it is maybe it's the <laughs> pandemic has made everyone nostalgic for when things were better <laughs> bringing back the good old days and we're going to yeah. go back in time again because from my understanding in your downtime at school you were writing music of course and when you were finished school you moved back to vancouver to play guitar for karen lee batten damian marshall and bobby smith and of course you had your former band and since then you've obviously gone solo but working with those fellow industry professionals and being in a band how do you feel like that prepared you to take on the country world as a solo artist? What were some pieces of advice they gave you and what did you take away from those experiences? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, um, I'd add to that list recently, I've played guitar a few times for, uh, for Aaron Pichette. And I was nice. actually uh, consider myself one of Jojo Mason's first guitar players. I played a couple of gigs with Jojo early on. And so, I mean, one of it is just networking. You get invited to play in bands that are obviously at, you know, at a higher level, than where where you are and to just see sort of their yeah level of professionalism and the way they approach a show is, is sort of is one thing Aaron and I become friends like we've we've our birthdays are close together so we we uh we're actually celebrating our birthdays together this year we did last year in Whistler and you know even when I was just first meeting him he's just one of these guys who's always had the time of day for younger artists and you know if if you were opening for him you know second or third you know say before him at a festival it didn't matter like he had time to just to chat with you so I think you know, as I've been moving up the bill on some of these festivals and and some of the newer artists, I try to pass on some of that and be open to just helping other artists. And it's just a small community, whether you're, you know, sort of uh, in, in Canada, at least at the, at the top of the bill or the middle or the bottom, you know, you're all playing a lot of the same events. And so that was, that was kind of just one of the things I, I picked up on them is just sort of the way you approach shows and, and treat people. And then performance wise, I've always sort of gravitated in Canada to, to Aaron and, 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 and Dallas and, and guys just who put on guys and girls, you know, Megan Patrick does the same, but uh, you know, just, just people who put on a good show. You know, I think, I think music, you know, the songs matter, but you know, the, the performance and, and the connection with people at, at an event is what sets. So I think the great artists from the not so great artists. And that's just something that I, I try to do in my, um, in, in my performances. 
For sure. So on that note, what advice would you give fellow rising artists or even super green artists about the music industry and how they should approach it? You know, I think um, the number one thing is just doing it for the love of it. I, I mean, I, you do see a lot of people come in that have expectations that their, their, their first single is going to get, you know, become a top 10 or they're going to get signed right away. And I think if you just approach it that you you want to play as many shows as you can, you want to make as many friends in the industry as you can. You want to just be part of sort of the scene is sort of the right attitude. And then, you know, on the, on the performance talent side of things, it's just, you know, work on your craft, work on your, uh, you know, work on, if you're a guitar player, work on your guitar playing, work on your uh, singing. I still take a, a weekly vocal lesson during the year and I've been doing it for, you know, 10, 15 years. And I still, you know, if I find a new teacher or someone who can help me, I still go try to get, you know, something out of that person, you know, working on your show with the band, uh, you can never be tight enough or good enough. And especially now, you know, just coming back from COVID, we used to play so many shows. Like it was just, we were just booked, we used to play like almost a third or two thirds of the, of the month. And now, you know, other than the summer, you're playing a few, few times a month. So you don't have as, as much as many shows now to be sort of as tight, I guess, if you have a band. And so just spending that downtime uh, preparing, you know, getting rehearsals and it takes more work now than ever, I think, to be as good of a band as maybe you could be a few years ago before the pandemic, just through playing shows. For sure. That is such good advice. And you're always willing to learn and continue to better your craft. And you have a vocal coach. And I love that. A lot of people don't think that a lot of artists maybe at your level or a level higher still have vocal coaches, but you you got one. And I think it's so important for artists to keep their voices strong and healthy. So let's talk about your vocal coach and how beneficial it has been for you and why artists should totally have one. Well, I'd love to give props to Roberta Quilco is her name. She's in Ontario and we do everything over Skype. Uh, my producer, Dan Suminer, put me in touch with her as we were preparing to record the next single that I plan on releasing. And it's it's changed my life. Like one, I've seen a bunch of different vocal coaches over, over the years and they all explain things a little bit differently. And for whatever reason, I've just really connected or, or with the way that she explains things. So just um, for me personally, that's been great. Um, she happens to be the, the, the backup singer for a lot of like notable artists. She's been on Celine Dion records, like some of the, some of the, the hits and some other artists that I've told you about in Canada, you know, you totally know their names. So just hearing those stories. And then I've actually got her to sing backup. So both on, on Jeep Thrills, my new single and the next one, I asked her to do the harmonies and I feel like it's the best background, you know, vocals I've ever had on a, tr on a track. So um, no offense to all the other amazing people I've had on, on recordings before, but so, you know, you just never know where, where something like that's going to go, whether it's, you know, connections with the producer connections with other musicians. Um, she happens to be a songwriter as well. And, and we're going to start writing some, some songs and then just, you know, just kind of, improving your your craft is uh, as i said is so invaluable so i've gotten so much out of my you know relationship with roberta that i can't i can't pump her tires enough i guess and i'm more than happy to have anyone message messaging me through social media or whatever send her her information if you're just kind of learning how to sing or doing some shows and you you know your 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 voice is getting tired you're running out of breath and there's things you're doing wrong the voice i think what i would just tell people starting out is like everyone realizes that you can't just pick up a guitar and sing or sorry and, and, and play it well or just sit down at the piano and for some reason people think that with singing you're just going to open your voice and either be good or not good because of god gifted you know divine talent and yeah the odd person when they're a child does open their mouth and just 
knows how to sing, I guess, but I'd say that's rare. And most people singing is a, is a talent that can be developed like any other musical instrument. So a, a coach is super helpful. She sounds like the absolute coolest props going out to her from one to watch Wednesday. Now in a previous interview about your second single, everything girl, you said, I heard once the way to write a hit song is to come up with a new way to say, I love you. That hasn't been done. Everyone always jokes about writing songs about trucks too, but there are actually some really good ones. So let's talk about a writing session with you in general. How do you make a song from start to finish? Wow. You, <laughs> this is like the most, most research interview I've ever done. So, so thank you, Sarah. Great question. Everyone has a different way of, of writing songs. Obviously some people start with a, a lick on the guitar, a melody. I like having sort of a, an idea of a song. So you'll hear a lot of writers in Nashville do it this way, where they just have a list of ideas, like a title of a song or an idea of a song. And so in that interview, I was talking about the song Everything Girl. And I went into a writing session with one of my producers, Jeff Johnson, who I wrote the song with. And we had been writing another song. It wasn't, I don't know, it was going okay, but we weren't thrilled with it. So we went away for dinner. We came back and we're like, let's just start on something new. And we both kind of looked down our list of songs. And I said, well, I have an idea for this song, Everything Girl. And he liked the title and he just started sort of singing that line. And then, and then I sort of explained to him what the song was about. So in that particular song, the idea of the song was that the love interest of the song had all these different talents. You know, she was... Like, you know, yes, obviously she was attractive and we were going to give her props on that, but she was much more than that. She was, you know, she was, you know, intelligent and, you know, had all these different skills. And we wanted to talk about that, all the surprising things that you found out about her yeah, through the course of the song. So with an idea like that, it's really easy to write it because you just start, well, okay, we want to talk about all the great things that she does and sort of you, you fit those into the verses and the, and the choruses. So for me, starting with an idea of a song is like this great roadmap. And you almost kind of just say, you know, you're going back and forth with with someone else or two, three other writers, four other writers, whatever you have in the room. And you say, okay, well, I want to say this about her. And then someone else says, well, I want to make sure that we talk about this. And so you just start writing all this stuff down and it just come rapid fire. And then you think of like interesting ways to rhyme the lines or, you know, maybe do a funny tongue in cheek twist on a, on on what you're trying to say to make it clever and interesting or funny or maybe you're trying to make maybe the feel of the song is just more sweet so you kind of tailor it all together um, with an idea and I like writing with guys who are much more sort of talented in terms of, of melody I, I would consider myself a strong idea person and lyricist and and actually writing the lines of the song but I, I like writing with you know producers who have a strong sort of melodic take on it and they kind of come up with a lot of the music and we're going back and forth with the lines and that, that's just how I like to do it and you know there's some people <laughs> sit there with no music and just write out the lyrics to a song and then send it to someone else who puts it to music um, or vice versa some some people just you know they write to a drum drum machine or they write to you know a, a guitar track or, 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 or that they have or a great opening lick that they have you know yeah i mean i was watching a documentary on tom petty and they wrote running down a dream the na 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 you know or or whatever a great opening riff maybe you've heard and and a lot of times you hear that the artist had that riff 
and they wrote a ACDC, for example, they, you know, they write whole songs around a great guitar riff. But for me, it's, it's sort of like an idea and a, a title of the song. And then we go from there. Nice. Well, we're going to talk more about Everything Girl here in a second. But that was your first charting single at Country Radio. And many artists often feel pressured and the struggle to create a song that is both authentic to themselves and radio friendly. So how do you maintain that balance? I think I maintain it by not worrying about it. For me, I just focus on having something that's that's fun. I write songs and people pitch me songs. And some of the songs I've released, Everything Girl is one that I happen to write. And then my current single, Jeep Thrills, I, I, I wrote a bit on it afterwards, but it was actually written by three other uh, friends of mine. And I just love the song and then they let me cut it. And so for me, I, I sort of start by just thinking like, what would be a song that I would love to play live when I'm playing at a festival in the summertime or at a bar or, or wherever it's going to be. What has a great vibe? What feels good to play with a band? And then two, in terms of content, you know, I like to, to have a mix of things. So, you know, like, you, like you're saying, I mean, you don't want a full set list of, of love songs. You, you, you're going to have some of those, obviously it's country music and that's fun and, and great. And then, you know, maybe a song about, you know, like I said, I have one song called party lights and one song about a Jeep and, you know, one's called everything girl. So just trying to have a, a mix of, of songs is, is, good and then you know what's your brand like for me i've i've said in interviews before and i'll say it here again i you know if i was describing sort of my brand of music i would say it's like intelligent bro country you know i i have i don't think there's anything wrong with being a luke bryan or being a florida georgia line and putting out fun summer songs that's you know sort of sort of who i am but you can do that in a way that's not just lifted truck girl in you know cut off jeans and, and and whatever and i had a nice compliment by in a, in a radio interview recently where one of the music directors said we well, you know you, you didn't hit the the country bingo card you know you stayed away from all the cliches uh in a song about a jeep and you know i i, I do pride myself on that trying to be at least somewhat original even if you're doing you know country music that that does have a lot of reoccurring themes so uh just yeah, trying to do a somewhat intelligent take on on uh, on fun music, but at the end of the day, for me, it's just about putting out a song that's that's fun, and I think people are gonna like, and that hopefully uh, radio will want to play, so that uh, people will know what the song is and sing it live at a show. That's great, and I do agree with the music director. As someone who is in radio, you are very good at really creating and giving us original music. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. I love it. <laughs> Now, I am going to be talking about Party Lights here with you in a few minutes because that is your debut single, but you crossed the country on your second national radio tour in 2019, supporting your release, Everything Girl. That was your second release, and that was your first charting single at Country Radio, like I just mentioned, and the song was added to Spotify's Down Home Country, and it was inspired by women in our lives that managed to do everything and make it look easy. So before we talk about Party Lights and play Party Lights here as the first song in this feature, Tell us about Everything Girl and how you wrote it and what it meant to you. Yeah. So the inspiration of Everything Girl was actually my mom. Now it is made it a love song about, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, the girl of my dreams or, you know, a love interest that I'm singing to. But the inspiration was actually my mom because she was not, I, I've joked that the anti-everything girl is... <laughs> 
the girl posting duck face selfies on Instagram, you know, like the everything girl is like my mom could make the best birthday cake in the world. She could sew a Halloween costume. She, you know, is basically a, a carpenter in terms of building stuff. She was an amazing stay at home mom. She was an, a, a, an accountant. So she was just incredibly intelligent. She just had all these skills that I feel like the average person, if they just saw my mom picking me up from school would never realize, you know, when I was you know, in grade school, I would never realize all the amazing things that she did. And so it was just a tribute to, and it is sort of a theme of country music in terms of, you know, girls out on the farm that, that, that do all this amazing stuff and surprise the boys. And that was kind of what I was going for in the inspiration of the song. But uh, yeah, she was sort of the inspiration that I just tried to, to twist it around and, and maybe update some of her skills and things that she did for girls for today. Well, shout out to your mom. <laughs> that is awesome. Now we're going to talk about Jeep thrills in the next part of the interview here. But of course, your debut single came out in 2017, Party Lights. And you've said this, and I fully agree that the lyrics, they are very visual and people will instantly have their own music videos playing in their minds, which is very true. And it's a fun summer song meant for backyard parties, boat rides, campsites, summer festivals, all the good stuff. So before I play it here, tell us about the making of Party Lights. I, I love the song. you sort of given it a great intro. It's just, you know, you hear it. I can just see string string globe lights you know in the backyard and the and that's kind of what i did for the for the album cover you know if people are looking up the song you know on uh to, to purchase it or, or stream it or whatever get a hold of the, the the cover for it the visual cover for it it was just such an obvious thing the string lights and that going hand in hand with summer and barbecues and the the backyard keg that's talked about in the song and and, and you know innocently meeting someone for the first time it was just it's just i don't know it just it just has such a great vibe in terms of, like you said, boy meets girl, but in a sort of new and, and creative way, I think. And it still feels great to play live. And I, I, I still get people at shows that tell me how much they love the song, even when I'm playing some of the new ones or covers and stuff like that. So I'm still really proud of it all these years later. And hopefully it's a, a good one for my personal hit. Yeah, you better bet Gonna pour this one out 
by our guest, Dave Hartney. All right, so we're going to talk about all of your shows here soon. But first, we got to talk about how you kind of had a full circle moment. When you were in Saskatchewan, you frequented many different live music bars and you went to a lot of them. You watched a lot of artists passing through town, including a young Dirk Bentley performing at a campus bar. And then you said that one of your personal highlights was later opening for Dirks at one summer festival in Merritt, BC. So how did that feel for you having that full circle moment almost? Yeah. So one of the most incredible music experiences that I, I've had, and I, I often joke, you know, when you're sort of an up and coming artist, you have these such a huge variety of shows, you know, you, you get hired to play a, a small outdoor wedding. And then, you know, the next weekend you're, you know, playing on a massive stage at one of these festivals, maybe opening up for someone and, and you're getting to, to perform in front of, you know, what, what really is their crowd, but you know, it's your crowd for the, for the 30 minutes or 40 minutes that you're, you're opening, you know, Dirks was, was always one of those artists that, that I loved and, and played his song sort of in my college dorm room and that show was awesome. He actually had a Canadian uh, guitar player at the time from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. So he had a, he had a, and he played Canada a lot. He had a strong sort of Canadian connection. And I saw him play at uh, Louis's, you know, campus bar. It was the first concert that I went to when I got, when I, I moved to Saskatchewan for school and I lived in the dorm. So I literally <laughs> walked down the stairs, basically from my dorm room down into the, the campus bar. Dirk's just rocked the night. I have photos. I just got myself a new little camera and I, I took a bunch of pictures on that night that I have there. Are, a lot of them are, are, are blurry, but with these amazing colors and Dirk's rocking out with the, the long hair that he had when he, he started and that long curly hair. And he was just cool. He was just, I was just thought he was one of the coolest guys. Then we, we got to open for him. Couldn't have been nicer. Got to hang out with him backstage. And I've, I've told people the story a couple of times that, you know, we were really trying to play it cool. And we, we, you know, my, my band and I, we had a really good chat with them and we kind of said, Hey man, we know you got to probably get ready and stuff like that. So we'll let you go. And he was just kind of hanging out backstage and there was a few other groups and these girls were just all over him and, and sort of smothering him. And he was kind of looking around trying to get out of it. And he made eye contact with me. And he came back. He actually sort of excused himself and came back and sort of like pretended like we needed to have a chat. And we, I sort of joked that I saved Dirk Bentley from these uh, these these fans, and we, we cracked another drink. And it was short. And I do remember that we we joked about asking him to play. We were playing the next weekend, like you know, back at some small bar, or something like that. And we asked if he'd play guitar for for us, and he totally. He said, "Yeah, I'll check my schedule." And he actually got his phone out and he checked his schedule and he's like oh sorry man i'm playing in in anaheim (laughs) like you know of course he wasn't gonna play guitar for us but he 
just the way that he answered it, the way he sort of, I don't know. I just, it was just, it was just a great experience for me. And one of those inspiring experiences that maybe one day, you know, we could sort of be playing. It was just, it was just cool. And he, he just, he's always just had a, I know he's always had an affinity for Canada and just always been a great guy. And I, I find a lot of, a lot of people who really make, make it, they have that confidence. They're willing to just be just amazing to younger artists. And they're just so not threatened. They're so just comfortable in, in who they are. And they know that the crowd's theirs and they're going to kill it. And they just, you know, don't mind giving you um, a bit of time a day, you know, during a festival. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Now, in a short period of time, you have racked up an impressive list of accomplishments for a new country artists, which are so well-deserved. And you've hit so many different stages and you've played so many festivals. Now, you've opened up for some of your favorite artists and country acts like Keith Urban, The Hunter Brothers, Dallas Smith, High Valley TV, Blackjack Billy, Aaron Pritchett, Tim Hicks, Jared Neiman, just to name a few, and many, many more in the past and even this summer at festivals. Whew, you have some names you're going to be playing with. Now, you are going to be sharing the stage this summer with Darius Rucker and Washboard Union as well. And now at these shows, we've talked about you meeting Dirks Bentley. You have a few more stories to share about your most memorable encounter and your most memorable festival experience. So tell us a bit more about them. Yeah, well, we were just talking off air just about how fun um, these festivals are, you know, just being a, a music fan as well. You know, the summer before COVID, we we, we played a a great festival called Sunfest that um, I'm proud to be back at this year. It's going to be a lot of fun and they've been great to me over the years. So I'll, I'll pump them a little bit there on Vancouver Island. We did actually uh, two performances and, and uh, I've, we, we got to, to play right after Eric church one year, we got to play sort of the beer gardens right after he was done, which was just awesome. Sort of watching him from the side of the stage peeking around and I uh, didn't get to meet him and, and, and Kit Moore another year actually as well too. Didn't get to meet him, but that, Last year, I think it was 2019, I guess, before the pandemic, I did get to open up for Brett Young and he was just awesome to us. And we had a great little chat on the side of the stage I'd played and he was nice enough to ask me a bit about my music. And I was just asking about his touring and, you know, he was just sort of bursting onto the scene and just having such a great, great success. And yeah, I just remember just being a great little chat and the fact that he was uh, super kind and we had a good little fist bump and he walked out on stage when he got the call and you know, killed it. And just moments like that are just, you know, super fun. That's awesome. And he had a cool story with Vince Gill too. Yeah. Vince Gill was another one. That was a few years ago. Um, sort of the same, I think it was the same year as, as the Dirk Bentley one. And we had a little chat before and, 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 and met him and got some pictures and he was awesome. I remember I had this old guitar and I really sort of idolized his guitar playing and, and, and just have such so much respect for him. Always the guys that play guitar, whether it's, you know, uh, Keith Urban or, or, or Vince Gill or Brad Paisley, I, I've always gravitated towards the guys who, who and, and girls, I was going to drop Lindsay Allen there. People, play guitar really well so anyways i wanted to get vince's autograph i had this guitar and i he was walking off the stage and caught his eye and i i, I my car was actually parked right out behind this stage and so i just opened up the trunk and i said vince would you sign this and he was concerned at first that it was like a real old guitar with some value and he didn't want to sign it as if his guitar would or his signature would devalue it right and so he was he was worried but i assured him that no it's just an, you know it's just a beat up old guitar that's not uh, not too valuable so he signed it right in the wood and i've, I've got it in my music room here and it was just awesome medium and and, and having a signature stuff like that happens sometimes you just want to want a beer and have a have a chat and but he was just someone that I, I really did want to kind of like 
have a takeaway. And, and so that guitar is still on my, my wall, sort of a, a memory I'll never forget from, from playing. That is such a cool experience. I'm glad you got to experience that and meet him as well. Now you're going to be out this summer performing at some great events, including many festivals like Sunfest, Gone Country and Fantastic and many, many more. So tell us, what are you going to be doing this summer? Where can people see you? Yeah, so we just finished that one called uh, Fantastic, which is a big, uh, big festival they do on the island. Uh, Fifty four forty, the rock band uh, headlined one of the nights, and and we headlined the country night. It was a great time, and so we're just kind of getting into the into the festivals. Uh, we're doing Sunfest, as I said, on the on the August long weekend. Darius Rucker and a bunch of other bunch of other great artists. I'm doing another festival. I'm really proud to be part of called Gone Country, which uh, Washboard and JoJo Mason, so it's a bunch of other Canadian artists. And they raise a bunch of money for for cancer. And the the last year they did it, they raised just just under a million dollars, eight hundred some odd thousand. And they've done amazing things with the money. They've they they basically donate money to various cancer agencies. And but they also have a real personal touch with the money. One year they donated money to a hospice for children and, and built uh, a recording studio so that parents could have a recording of their kid's voice, you know, before they passed. And so they just do amazing stuff with the money. It's like, I, I call it guilt-free partying because it's just a, a super fun day. You know, what your listeners would know is, a, you know, going to a, a drink, drink it up, you know, music playing festival and, but yet all the money goes to this great cause. So I'm really proud to be part of that one with Jojo and my friend, Carolyn Batten, Washboard Union. And uh, so looking forward to that one, a bunch of other fun stuff. And uh, it's just nice to be back on stage playing this year after we were sort of teased last year and then everything was canceled again. So it's, it's, it's great to be back. I bet. Now, here's a big question. If you could put together the most amazing Canadian country music festival, who would you invite to share the stage with you? Wow. Well, that's a great question. You know, I've seen Dallas's show a few times and open for him a few times. And, and he's just, you know, to me, he's he's one of the artists that's just on par with any of the major American act shows. Like he just puts on such a great show. So I, I, I put him on for sure, because I just think people have such a great time at his shows. My buddy, Aaron Pachette, I, I still think he maybe connects with the crowd as well or better than any artists in Canada. So I put him on, you know, we got to have some of the ladies, Lindsay Al's someone I hugely respect as a guitar player. Tianil and I used to have one of the same writing partners and uh, chatted a few times on, on Skype and stuff like that. And before she sort of blew up and obviously love her voice and got to have her and my buddy Jojo. Yeah. Who else? Uh, yeah. Sean Austin, another North Vancouver boy uh, I'm buddies with so you know a few friends a few people that I admire and respect and I'm sure I'm, I'm forgetting some awesome artists that I'd, I'd, I'd love to have and I'll, I'll regret after we're done the interview but uh, yeah I'd, I'd put those people on for sure well I find that with country festivals all the musicians that are in the crowd because we all go to them as industry and musicians they'd end up on the stage somehow anyways you're good <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. we always do <laughs> Exactly. So how do you prepare for a show? Oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't have any real sort of superstitions or have any sort of things that I like need to do. And I think that's partly because we're always rushing, whether it's flights or on the bus or a ferry or whatever. And so we're often showing up last minute. There's just no time to do the same sort of routine. You know, I ideally get a little vocal warm up 
someone showed me one time this little vocal warm up with a straw, like blowing in and out with a straw. So any you know artist starting out, it's a little tip I'll give out for free. I don't know what it is, but it seems to strengthen the, the vocal muscles before you go out. So sometimes I do that, but a lot of times it's just you know <laughs> make sure the gears there, make sure the guitars are tuned, and uh, I you know I love performing. So so when I started, you know there's a bunch more nerves, and it it, it was sort of stuff to maybe calm the ner- nerves, maybe have a drink or something like that. But I, I don't do that anymore. I just, I'm so excited to get out and play, you know, as long as I can take care of the technical stuff and the, the setting up stuff and make sure everything's in place. It's just sort of like looking forward to it and just getting out there as soon as I can and just making sure I'm, I'm relaxed so I can just connect with the audience and play and sing as you know good as I can and make sure people are, are having a great time. All right. So we're going to get a bit into your personal life here. Now, this spring and summer, I've been living vicariously through your socials because you've been traveling and you checked off some bucket list summer vacation plans in Europe. And there's some cool family history behind those trips. So tell us more about your trips overseas. Yeah. So this, this has been, um, this has been a makeup year. I'm almost embarrassed to talk about how, how fun it's been, but I had a few, a, a bunch of trips planned sort of in 2020 that I was finally going to go with my dad on one trip and meet a bunch of family that I'd never met before and got to do all those trips this year i took took some time off uh to do them so first i had a really great trip with my my dad in spain he's been learning spanish in his retirement and his he's he's been there a bunch of times i've i've never even been to europe before so so that was the first trip we did and it was just a father son trip incredible he loved playing tour guide and we went to all these amazing spots and and that was awesome and then that was in 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 march and then in just just the last trip I went to uh, Yacht Week, which is in Croatia, which is basically, if, I, if, if your listeners don't know, it's like a pub crawl on the water. And so you, you're just going to all these amazing little towns in Croatia, these little islands in a, in a, in a bunch of boats. So you, you just sign up for this thing. They assign you to a boat. You get a, a, a crew, people that you've, you know, from all over the world. We had, in my particular boat, we had like a Spanish guy, a couple of girls from Scotland and Ireland, a couple from America, a girl from Singapore. Like it's just people from all over the world come. You travel around in sort of this group of boats to different cities. <laughs> they have like parties set up for you at night. The parties are like in old historic castles and it's just, it's incredible. And my, my friend of mine had did it, uh, done it about 10 years ago. And I've literally been trying to do this trip for 10 years. And, and it was only now that I'd saved up the money and had been able to take up some, t- some time off. So that was just incredible. It's a bucket list thing for any of your listeners. Just look up the yachtweek.com. Right? And if you've heard of it, you'll, you'll know just how incredible it is. So that was really fun. And then I was in the sort of the, the neighborhood, so to speak. And I, my grandfather snuck out of, uh, my grandfather, my uncle snuck out of Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia. They were from the Serbian part now as it's all broken up. Before my grandfather and my uncle passed in 2014, their youngest brother came to Canada and I met him. You know, it, it was like instantly having another grandfather. I just felt so close with this, this guy. And he invited me to come back, you know, meet his his daughter and grandkids and, and, and all that. So I had planned that as well the year the pandemic is all 
canceled with COVID. So I got to Serbia and, you know, I mean, Serbia is not a place that I think many people would think to go travel to, but it's a beautiful country. I went to Belgrade and my, my family's from a little, well, it's actually, it's one of the bigger uh, cities in, in, in uh, Serbia called Novi Sad. A lot of history there. It was bombed out by the Americans in the nineties during the war in Kosovo. My cousin Ilya, who's my age, like her growing up stories are like of traveling across the Danube river to go to school because the three bridges were, were bombed out and the nightly bombings and the raids. And it's just got so much history. It's such a beautiful city on this beautiful river. You know, I I showed up and met this whole side of the family for the first time. And like I said, uh, my cousin Ilya, I felt like she was like my twin sister. So just an incredible experience that was one of these once in a lifetime things. And I, you know, I sort of had felt the pressure, like if I, if I didn't go before my, you know, my uncle potentially, you know, you know, passed, he's not a young, young man. There's a whole side of the family that I wouldn't uh, ever get to meet. So now I've met him now, you know, I've got, you know, phone numbers and email addresses and can go back and visit and yeah. So it's just, it was an incredible trip and then finished, finished uh, with a couple of days in, in, in Greece and the Greek islands, uh, Mykonos and Santorini. Santorini is the one up on the hill, you know, with all the little houses uh, sort of built up into the cliffs overlooking the Mediterranean. It's just incredible. So I wasn't there for too long, just, just enough to see it and know that I got to go back and spend more time, but total bucket list stuff. Yeah. They just have a, such a nice way of living over there. They're just out drinking and partying and, you know, in cafes and uh, on the street. And yeah, it was just a whole, a whole nother way of living over there and definitely going to go back. It was amazing. With summer being here on top of all the festivals you're going to be playing and all the shows you're going to be doing, what else can we find you doing in the summer in your downtime? Yeah, I'm actually mostly it's just music. I, I try to make I try to make holidays <laughs> out of out of the musical stuff. So I'm playing up in Whistler at uh, the ho- hotel. So I've sort of planned a little downtime around playing up in Whistler. The show uh, at Sunfest on the long weekend. As a band, we've rented a, a trailer for the weekend, and we're going to be hanging out and uh, going to the lake, Lake Couchin, and they have a great river that you flow down. So I kind of try to make my my fun trips are sort of based around music because I'm just playing every weekend. So um, I've been away a lot. I got two awesome nephews. I'm going to catch up with them, spend some some family time, but mostly it's just uh, trying to have a bit of fun times around, you know, in and around the shows and, and playing in, in, in different parts of the different parts of the country and the, the province. That's so fun. Now we got to talk about your latest song, Jeep Thrills. And first off, I will mention you actually do have a Jeep. So that's a plus. <laughs> And we have a Jeep at the station here. It's our station vehicle. And I've actually called my mom and I said, I really like the company car. It's a Jeep. I love it. So I do get the thrill, but tell us about your latest release, Jeep Thrills. I mean, it came from a couple of things. The song was originally written by um, my, my producer friend, Jeff Johnson, and it was his wife who came in and, and had the idea, which I'm sure your listeners will agree with that. You know, there's a million truck songs. It's time for a Jeep song. And so she actually said like the line of the song, she's like, she was kind of joking and saying, let's go riding in my Jeep, Jeep, Jeep. And my producer did what all good songwriters and producers do, which was steal it, not give her any credit. And then, and then uh, wrote the song sort of around that line and made it really fun. And none of the, none of the original songwriters had a Jeep and I do have a Jeep and I, I love the vehicles. I'm on to my second Jeep now. And I just, you know, I didn't really know much about cars or anything before I got it. And I actually loved learning how to, you know, do all the fluid changes and, and you can modify them. So changing the bumpers and getting lifts. And I don't know, it's just a fun vehicle to to do your own maintenance stuff on and do your own minor repairs on and stuff like that. And I mean, it's a great vehicle to haul your your band gear around, and have some fun with it. So, so I, I, I love them. And when I heard the song, 
I really, I really love the song. It just had a great feel. And uh, another artist was maybe going to be cutting at one of the other writers. And then he didn't. And I just, I sort of just begged and pleaded and I got the song, sort of rewrote some of it. So I, so I do have a writing credit on there for some of the lines and, you know, they, they didn't know anything about Jeep waves, which Jeeps are the only vehicle that like you have your own little club. And when you, when you see other people driving on the road, you like, you, you wave to them. I have a friend of mine who said, well, what about my Honda Odyssey club? What am I, you know, like no other vehicle, you know, has this sort of thing where you wave to other people that have the same vehicle as you, except for Jeep. So I don't know. It's just a real, it's a sort of this being in this little club, I guess they're, they're awesome vehicles. I, lo- I love the, the vibe of the song. And so uh, got it out as soon as I could. It is a really great song. Now you know where all of your socials are to view your beautiful pictures of your trips, of course, but you can also get tour details, show details, and all your music details as well. And of course, on your website at DaveHartney.com. Last but not least, introduce your new song for us before we played here. Hey, it's Dave Hartney. This is my brand new single, Deep Thrills. Dave Hartney. And a few minutes ago, you heard his song, Party Lights. 
Both of those songs and all of his music is available wherever you buy, download, or stream your songs right now. And make sure you do follow along on his socials and on his website, DaveHartney.com, to follow along on his very exciting and very promising musical journey. A massive, massive thank you going out today for hanging out on One to Watch Wednesday this week. That was so fun, and you are more than welcome back anytime. That is your One to Watch Wednesday for this week. My name is Sarah Scott. Thanks so much for hanging out, and have a great rest of your day. <laughs>